Welcome to Between Two Chairs, Demystifying Commercial Real Estate, the podcast that brings you the latest insights and trends on the South Florida commercial real estate market with your hosts, Fernando Arencibia Jr. and Jennifer Wolman. In each episode, we dive into the world of commercial real estate and break down complex concepts to make them accessible for everyone. Whether you're a real estate professional, a curious investor, or just interested in the South Florida market in general, Between Two Chairs is the podcast for you. So pull up a chair and join us. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Between Two Chairs. This episode, we're going to talk about the takeaways from the Florida Realtors Annual Convention and Conference that just took place in Orlando at the Shingle Creek Resort. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Fernando Arancibia, who won two awards for the first time in Florida Realtor history. Two different awards were awarded to one person, so congratulations to my partner. One was for the Realtor Achievement Award, which is awarded to brokers for three or that have been brokers for three or more years and the accomplishments that they have done and the impact that they've made on the brokerage industry. And the second one was for his work as commercial. It was commercial realtor, right? The commercial realtor award. He chaired the commercial Alliance Committee this year and has brought a ton of tools and services to Florida commercial realtors. And um, he's just an amazing human who is always giving to our community. And he's sitting here, he's sitting here going like, enough, cut, stop. You didn't tell me you were going to do this. But that, that, there, that got us kicked (laughs) off, so... There you go. Thank you. Thank you, partner. That was that was very, very kind. Yeah, it was a it was a long week um, of convention and, you know, governance business and, and all those good things. And um, we certainly learned a lot. There's there's just a lot of information that you gather and, and a lot of connectivity with uh, brokers throughout the state. And um, just to give people a, a little bit of a sense of how things are structured, this is the annual conference, which is, you know, open up to all. There's also a section of it, which is governance, you know, when we have meetings with all of the committees. And there's actually a lot of information that you get from the committees as well. The way that the conference is structured is that the first day, there is a day where uh, we have a CCIM commercial day. You know, we have two CCIM presentations, usually panel discussions, and then we do our, um, you know, what was our second time doing it, but it's become a tradition, the Red R networking event uh, that night. That's Tuesday. That day also is a day for the YPNs. They do RE Bar Camp, which is a really interesting and exciting event. Uh, Miami does a great one here every year. Uh, last two years I've done it at FIU uh, School of Business, which has been fantastic. And then the next two days are, you know, full conference schedule uh, that Wednesday and Thursday. And uh, that includes uh, an expo of vendors all around the country and all around the state. And then the following, you know, three days are all governance uh, meetings. And, you know, we would love to share with you some of the things, some of the takeaways that we've got gathered from uh, from from this conference. 
Correct. And one of my takeaways was insurance, because that's been a huge issue in the state. And we've been hearing it across the board. I mean, you don't even yeah. have to be in real estate to be noticing what's going on with insurance. It's not just in Florida. It's a nationwide problem or issue or challenge, I should say. But uh, we did get some updates um, that I thought were very interesting. So there is a free home hurricane inspection that the state does. You can go to mysafeflhome.com and it tells you in there how to go ahead and get the insurance. And then once you, um, sorry, not the insurance, but the inspection for the insurance. And then when you, once you get that hurricane inspection, if you've done home strengthening to your property, then the insurance company has to give you credits for that and give you relief in the pricing. So that was interesting that was a good thing that the state's doing and a lot of people don't know that those inspections are for free we also found out that for the first time in six years insurance companies have showed profits they had been losing money ever since 2016 and when that happens it eats into the reserves and puts them in a precarious position for those of you who think you know that insurance companies shouldn't be making a profit or that all of these increases are going into their pocket that is not the case Florida law caps profits for insurance companies at 4.65%. So I thought that was really interesting. It is definitely insurance is definitely more of a service industry, not a huge profitability center when it comes to especially homeowners insurance. Um, we also found out that the reinsurance mar market in Florida has seen some improvements. There's still room for more since price increases for reinsurance is at 27%. The state would like to see that cut in half by next year, but it's a big improvement because it had been going up 50 to 60% a year. And then I know that you and your commercial team are also working specifically on commercial insurance, which is completely different from homeowners insurance. So maybe you could just tell us, I know you're in the very beginning phases, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about what your group is putting together and hoping to accomplish. Well, you know, I think that one of the things that was interesting because that these conversations, you begin to see a, a line or a trend in that all the conversations are about the two biggest issues that are facing the commercial sector. One of them is credit tightening. And so, TREP was one of the presenters in the first panel by CCIM on Tuesday, and Lonnie, as you know, oh. it's, it's, you know, he's just amazing. I love the way he presents and the way that he digests information and provides it in a way that is understandable. And one of the things that I, that really catches your eye is um, when he breaks down CMBS loans, you know, commercial mortgage-backed securities, and he was showing us a chart about private label CMBS and agency label CMBS. And I mean, the numbers are year over year are targeting. There's a 52% reduction in volume of loans, you know, from July of last year to July of this year. I mean, they went from $57 million in loans, 109 loans, to 27.5 million with a count of 69. So they're doing smaller loans, even with private labels, 63% reduction from like $53 million in volume to $19 million in volume. So, of course, 
the the credit tightening is is definitely there. And then the other thing is about um, the specifically with the multifamily. You know, he broke down the expense and did a deep dive, and you know, the largest year-over-year increase in insurance expenses at the top of the line. It's Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, right? With a you know an average of over 28% increase per unit change, right? And so that's how they measure it. And you know that's an issue that when it comes to insurance in the state of Florida, for residential insurance, the legislature has done a very heavy lift to basically address tort reform so that we can begin to see insurance companies coming back into the marketplace. And we're starting to see that some of those metrics are aligning, you know. And one of them is that we're seeing a reduction in lawsuits, right, which again enhances the profitability sector of the insurance carrier. And as we continue to monitor those factors, the idea is that we're going to get more of the private insurers to come back so that we eventually have balance in the market. And at some point, citizens would become what it was originally intended to be, which is the insurer of last resort. The problem with commercial insurance, and I do have to give kudos to Ghost Fonte, Lorenzo Perez Jr. Lorenzo, we got to we got to interview you on this. You know, he's just so smart. He is the, the next, uh, and he's the incoming uh, president of the commercial board for the Miami Association of Realtors. And, you know, we had a great sit down with, with Trey Goldman out of, you know, Florida Realtors, who is uh, heading advocacy for all insurance related matters. And, you know, the, the issue is that the issue is not the same. Right. And right. we had a conversations with a couple of lobbyists and we realized that they themselves don't understand that the issue is very different. And um, instead of getting very complex, let me just say this. Number one, insurance and commercial is basically like if you were stacking a sandwich. Right. The insurance risk is divided among different stacks. The other thing that I would say is, is that we have lost reinsures you know carriers significantly on the commercial sector right we're down to two technically we're down to three and one of them being Lloyds of London but historically the numbers are so skewed they're so expensive mm -hmm. that it might just well be two so the big fear is that if we lose another reinsurance carrier in the state of Florida for commercial insurance we're going to be down to one right so we're going to have absolutely no competition and this is a, a freight train that will have no stop why is that important? Well, if I may, can I mm -hmm. just yeah, kind of I iterate a little bit here? One of the biggest things is that if you're buying a home and you get a loan and you get a 30-year mortgage on your home, whether your insurance goes up in price, right, and your taxes go up in price and you have an escrow account, you know that you're going to be paying more a month, right? Well, the same thing would happen to a commercial property owner that has a loan on a property and all of a sudden those expenses go up. The problem is that on the mortgage side, when banks evaluate right, the viability of giving you a commercial loan, they do something called a debt service credit ratio, right? And that ratio has to be a certain amount. So it's usually 1.2 or below. They're, they're looking for a ratio of your expense versus your income on that property has to be say sustaining and, and equity plays a role in that. What happens is that if all of a sudden your insurance prices go up, right, and it messes with that DSER number, then all of a sudden the bank might say, we're gonna need more money from you, 
right? We gave you this loan at maybe, we gave you 70% of the, of the price to buy this property, but now the debt service ratio doesn't work for us, right? Because your expenses has gone up. So on top of the fact that now I have to pay more for insurance, I have to pay more taxes. Now I also have to come up with money to provide, it's almost like coming back and now having to do another set of down payment for a property that I already own in order to meet that ratio. So it's incredibly, incredibly impactful and it's something that is called a technical default. That's why the commercial insurance is such an issue and that's why a lot of, a lot of the legislators and a, and a lot of the people that we spoke to, they understand what's happening on the residential uh, you know, insurance side, but on the commercial side, it is, you know, it's not a, a widely known issue and we're working to find a solution that can address it. Right. So I just wanted to clarify, yeah. you had said the, the debt service cover ratio right. had to be less than one. I think you meant more than one, uh, one or higher, because yeah. if not, it's a negative cash right, flow. Right, yeah, so, yeah. so, OK, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to clarify yeah, that. Yeah. So we're not we're supposed right. to be demystifying, not, demystifying, not <laughs> mystifying. Exactly. But yeah. So to your point, that's when the capital calls come out if you're in a. Um, syndication kind of deal and if not you end up having some issues so I think it's awesome that that your group is looking at that and that that was brought to the forefront of not just Florida realtors but also our legislators and I know you guys yeah. had a conversation with the new um, insurance commissioner as well right. and put that on his radar so thank you for doing that I think that's I yeah. think that's amazing well, and that, I think to your point we are going to see some relief right yeah no the credit goes there to Trey and and Gus and Lorenzo right for right. having the foresight to have that conversation while he was there with us Correct. and um, and that's another great thing here because we we did get two great presentations presentations uh, during public policy. So, you know, we, we have a public policy committee and we have an array of think tanks that are part of that committee that have to do with things that are specific to our industry, second homes, you know, land use, taxation, obviously insurance. And so we always have uh, great people that present during those meetings. And, and this year was no different. And having the state of Florida's, you know, uh, insurance commissioner there to not only present but take questions, you know, from from our realtors was incredibly impactful. But I would love for you to talk a little bit about the other great presentation that we received that had to do with the Everglades Foundation. Right. Right. And uh, I mean, he's a, amazing. That yeah. that was a presentation by Eric Eisenberg. He's the CEO of the Everglades Foundation. And. Florida Realtors has had a really close relationship with the Everglades Foundation for a really long time because, you know, we always love to say in real estate, people don't come to Miami for or to Florida in general, but Miami in particular for our mountains, they come for our water. And um, about 10 years ago, we had a massive, massive green algae bloom and red tide, so red tide and green algae over on the west coast of Florida, and then horrible green algae bloom in on the east coast, especially in Martin and St. Lucie County. So the realtors got together and we did a study on the economic impact of the green algae on just those two those two counties. There were 16 counties that were affected that year, but St. Lucie and Martin saw a huge drop off. So once we did that study, we showed that just in those two counties, there was a billion dollar, 
um, impact on real estate alone. It didn't yeah. talk about tourism. It didn't talk about all the offshoots of there. Um, so once once you put those numbers in front of the legislature, you you start getting attention and people start, you know, you hear it in the news, oh, green algae, some fish died. You don't necessarily look too far. You think it's just a, a once in a while thing, but this really highlighted the importance. So we worked with the Everglades Foundation. We, we raised a lot. We got a lot of funding and they also were able to work on redoing the flow of the Everglades. So what was super cool is that we stayed at the Rosen Shingle Creek, which is a beautiful resort up there. But the Shingle Creek also happens to be the headwater in the very, very start of the Florida Everglades. And super interesting, we're gonna include a link in the notes, but if you follow the Florida Everglades Foundation, you'll see what used to be the natural flow of water, how it was diverted after there were some major storms um, during that first production in, um, or sorry, that first settlement up in Shingle Creek. So it kind of wiped out that area. And based on the result of the floods that happened in the 30s and 40s, the Army Corps of Engineer diverted the natural flow. And that flow went out through St. Lucie and Martin counties and through the Gulf on the other side. So we have embarked on, the state of Florida has embarked on the largest ever project by the Army Corps of Engineers. It is a $3 billion project and it's basically going to be creating the kidneys of the Everglades to help um, redo the flow, mm. clean out the water, recharge the Biscayne aquifer and preventing those outflows. So that was amazing. And Eric is, he's, he's wonderful. He's so dedicated. He's great at being very clear on the issues. And he says, you know, as goes the Everglades, so goes Florida. So yeah. what, you know, what does the Everglades have to do with commercial real estate, absolutely everything, everything. right? Because yeah. it all flows from there, literally. So we need to. No pun. I didn't mean yeah. that pun, but <laughs> but you did a great job, Pardo. We definitely got to have him on the podcast. He is incredibly passionate about, and and I really love. One of the things that I thought was really great is that they hired an economist. So they have an economist that is going to create all of this auxiliary documentation about the impact of the Everglades in our economy and, um, you know, and how interrelated those two things are. And, uh, you know, I completely agree. Another thing that happens in this conference is that we get a lot of economic upgrades, uh, updates. Florida Realtors has a great economist, Dr. Brad O'Connor, who always uh, keeps us updated. And, you know, we get a monthly update and, you know, a quarterly update. And there's a lot of tools online that uh, can provide real drilled down information per county that uh, that is available to you know all of all of Florida Realtors members. I thought that in his presentation, you know, it, there's obviously the conversation is why is it that we have higher interest rates but we still have higher prices? We haven't seen a, a reduction of that. And there are two slides that I thought were really impactful for me. Number one 
is that in, in conversations that I've had with people that are looking at the residential sector as a potential place to invest, there are people that are waiting for this, uh, you know, foreclosure crisis that may never come or this, you know, sense that prices have to come down, the pressures are there. One of them is that when you really look at the mortgages in distress, I mean, it's it, it's it's damn near zero. Right, it right? was minimal. Yeah, it was yeah, so yeah, minimal yeah. that you know it's 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 hard to put into into words that you had a small peak, you know, during the pandemic and and before then there was a peak during, you know, uh, Hurricane uh, Irma. But those were short sustaining, you know, and then but now those numbers are are super low. The other one that I thought was interesting is, so he's got a slide of uh, one of the things that we monitor and and one of the metrics to follow is, you know, out-of-state driver's license exchanges, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we always talk about that's an important component. For us in the commercial sector, we also like that there's something called a U-Haul index, right. which is phenomenal, which is really <laughs> about people that are picking up one-way trips, you know, from right. one state to another. And so when you put those things together, so he puts this slide, and in the slide is everybody who's moving in, in here in a significant manner and where they're coming from. So New Jersey is there, California, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Texas, Massachusetts, Virginia, right? And then everybody is looking at the obvious fact, which is you, New York is missing. Well, the reason New York is missing is because he had to put it way, way up in the chart. So now he opens it up and it's a bigger chart. So I thought that that was really interesting, but... He says that, you know, we got natural growth in, in our demographics and then we have all of this influx and that's a, a big part of that component. So I, I thought that was that was a, really interesting. Agreed. And then some of the information was just kind of a reminder. So some of it was related to short term property rentals and the hospitality industry. And it's basically just a reminder and I think it's very timely, especially now with the movie Freedom Out and the fact that Miami realtors that are are kind of I don't want to say our goal for the for this year, but our our topic for this year was really educating our members on human trafficking. So Section 509.096 of Title 33 in the Florida statutes is a human trafficking awareness training and policies requirement for employees of public lodging establishments. And that includes um, for hosts of short-term rentals that since 2021, you've had to ensure that employees who perform any housekeeping duties in the rental units or who work at the front desk and receive the guests, that they have to be trained in the signs of human trafficking and you have to post a notice. So that was just kind of a reminder, but I wanted to bring it up because I know there are a lot of Airbnb and short-term property rental owners who don't comply with that and the fines like $2,000 a day. So I, I wanted to highlight that. And then the other thing obviously was when JP, who is amazing, JP Freitas, who is the was the liaison for Florida Realtors with the commercial committee, he you know, reminded us that the business rent tax is going down from 5.5% to 4.5% in December 1st of this year. And then he's estimating that sometime by August or September of next year that it's going to go all the way down to 2 and 2%. 2%. 2%, 2%. And that's before the municipalities tack on their amount. But... Right. 
we're still working on Florida Realtors is still working on chipping away at that, both at the state level to eliminate it right. and then also at the municipal level. Um, and just that one little 1% for those few months saves um, $260 million to business yeah. owners. So I thought that was that was another great takeaway. Absolutely. And that was during our Commercial Alliance Committee uh, meeting. and. You know, I, I think the highlight for me of the meeting was uh, having um, Robin Webb, who is an amazing realtor and an expert and focuses all of his attention in hotels and hospitality. And his presentation, you know, was incredible. And look, no surprise here, right? The hospitality industry is Florida's, you know, largest uh, industry, Florida's largest employer. I thought he gave some great stacks. The projection for 2023 is that it's going to generate an annual gross income of $4 billion. No, $4 trillion. No, how much? How, what, what is that? I didn't. I was going to use that as one yeah. of my stats, but I looked at that number and I'm like, I have to verify that because <laughs> it's it's huge. So, yeah. Well, if it's coming from I, Robin, I, I kind of I kind of would believe it. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but I wasn't sure. I'm like, that can't be uh, just Florida. Right. So. Well, but he did say and I thought it was interesting that Florida is America's largest supplier of yep. hotel rooms, that we have more hotel rooms per capita in. Well, I think just more hotel rooms in total, in total. than any yeah. other state and in, sure. uh, in the nation. And uh, and they've seen a revenue increase, you know, almost 25 percent since since the, the pandemic. For me, what I thought was really interesting is I always get these calls about, you know, he says the, the hotel sector and the hotel business is very rough and tumble, and especially when you're on the brokerage side. And, you know, and now I understand it better because he says basically last year there were, what, two, 200 hotels in the entire state of Florida that traded, right? And so there's a minimal side. And, you know, whenever I get those calls of people that are looking for hotels, it's, you know, it never it never really pans out. You know, I never really know that they're 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 the real deal. From now on, I'm just I'm just calling Robin Webb and just have him <laughs> just have him take care of that. But man, the the information was really really valuable. Understanding what is the cap rate that people are looking for to acquire a hotel. Understanding you know how the average daily rate, which is the biggest metric when you're evaluating you know, what a hotel is generating is the the average daily night or, you know, daily rate of what you're charging per night. And the fact that they've seen such an increase in that number is significant. But I thought his presentation was, was incredible. Agree. And I already have him down. I want to invite him to speak on our podcast specifically about the South Florida hotel market, um, because I think... You know, I think he's just a wealth of information. I think it would be fun to share that oh. with our listeners. Absolutely. So I'm glad I picked another stat, too. He's also a bit of a character. I like he his, his approach. His demeanor. He's a great instructor. He not only sells hotels, he's actually he actually owns hotels. And the cool thing about hotels, if you're an owner, is it's not necessarily the real estate that you own. It's the business. So some right. hotels own the real estate. They own the land and the business so you can actually get SBA loans for hotels which you can't get for a lot of other commercial properties you can get SBA loans for self storage cuz that's also considered a business and for hotels so i thought that was yeah. i thought that was great so yeah stay tuned we're going to try to get him yeah. on for future i think that when you when you first told me well, well we should do this we're fresh we're off 
and I was, uh, what are we going to talk about? (laughs) And you go like, whoa, what did we learn? And then I start looking down through my notes and I start looking at pictures of, you know, I'm I'm a habitual picture taker of, you know, slides, Mm -hmm. even though I know they're going to send it to us. But I just take them because I want to review them that night or whatever it is. You know, half of the time I don't even end up reviewing them. But <laughs> now I'm looking back like, wow, there's a lot of good information. There's a lot of good content. You know? There's a lot of good content yeah. that we get takeaways. And um, I, think, I think I think it makes a difference. And, For sure. um, you know, we always are kind of like, oh, my gosh, it's so long. We're going to be away from our business. We're going to be right. away from our families. And, of course, yeah. the minute you leave town for either vacation or a conference, like yeah. work gets really, really busy. So if any of you are really slow, just hop on a plane, get in the car, <laughs> drive, you know, four or five hours away. And I can Your guarantee lines. you. That, you know, your clients will be missing you and start calling you. And They can smell it when you're out of town. <laughs> they can smell it, I promise you. One of, one of the things that I, you know, as you're getting ready to go back out into the conference circuit, uh, next week you'll be at um, ICSE. Correct, um, ICSE. Orlando. Right. Yeah. Which is, what does ICSE stand for, for as we're demystifying? <laughs> the International Council of Shopping Centers. Good. You see, I, I mystify and she demystifies. So <laughs> I should have clarified that in the, uh, you know, in the moniker of our of our presentation. What, one last thing I will say is think about the composition of an association like the Florida Realtors, over 230,000 members. Right. So they get a lot of data. They get a lot of feedback from the marketplace. The overwhelming majority of those members are residential brokers. They only focus on residential. And I've had this conversation and, you know, I kind of want to end it with this because I want to get your opinion on it. I've had conversations with people that are, you know, all they do is they focus on commercial. So they're not, you know, as excited about getting an economic breakdown of, you know, what's happening in the marketplace and all that stuff. I think that there is value there. I think that especially because of the variety of things that we serve. When we talk about retail and office, you know, we're, we're you know, really it all comes down to consumer behavior. And and consumers are going to behave based on the uh, opportunities that are, you know, beside them. You and I always concern ourselves with when companies are coming into a marketplace, do they have enough affordable housing units right. for their employees, right? Because, you know, what are the companies want to attract, right, talent, and they want, and, and, and in order to attract talent, the ecosystem surrounding it, the, the economy surrounding it, the real estate surrounding it, it's a big part of that. So I think that there is value in having a pulse on, you know, the broad strokes at least of the residential market to see how people are living, what they have to contest with, what they have to deal with, because I think it does reverberate into the clients that we serve. Oh, most definitely. And I often post stuff about the state of the housing market in Miami-Dade County specifically because, you know, in, in the retail sector, we always say, you know, retail follows rooftops. And to your point, if pricing is so expensive or there's not enough housing available at all levels. You know, I don't even look at affordable housing because, you know, you need housing at all all levels. It has to be affordable. It has to be affordable to the people at the top end, the middle, the bottom and the and the extreme, you know, extremely poor. So I think having having a pulse on that is extremely helpful because it's going to show you like, Right now, it's interesting because the issues that are happening in the commercial sector 
have nothing to do with housing in the overall economy. It right. specifically has to do with the interest rates and the raising of the interest rates to control inflation. But the raising of the interest rates in Miami-Dade, in South Florida in general, but specifically, but in Florida in general, we haven't seen that. The consumer is still spending. Right. The pricing, to your point that you made earlier with Brad O'Connor's, Dr. Brad O'Connor's insights is that you know, housing costs are still going up. So the mortgage rates haven't really affected right. buying. What's affected more than anything is inventory and the lack thereof, right? But so what's affecting the commercial sector, people are still going out. They're still eating in restaurants. I mean, we all of the restaurants that we tried to book were totally packed. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be the same thing with ICSE, right? right? That all the ones that are good near the near the um, convention center are going to be packed. Here, locally, our restaurants are full. Back to school stores were full. Like everything was is moving. So the housing sector, the housing portion isn't necessarily affecting the commercial sector right now. Right. Normally it will, but it's an indicator, right? right? So if they don't get inflation down and if it keeps getting more and more expensive to live here, then I think the commercial sector is going to have a much harder time right. because we're currently building and people bought on the expectation that prices would continue to appreciate. Yeah. They can continue to pass through the higher property taxes and the much higher insurance. But at some point, if if housing doesn't give, right. I think there's going to be a bigger issue for retail down the retail and, and, and office and warehouse and everything. Right. So down the road really, yeah important important to know that aspect of it plus you know i think i think there's something about having a holistic understanding of the entire marketplace and Correct. that includes the residential side all right are you ready for your uh, i'm for ready your for my fun stat yes in preparation well listen nobody said it had to be fun some of these stats are just stats all right but it's, it's the stat of the day I don't know. To me, stats are just fun. Oh, okay. uh, maybe, maybe that's All my right. problem. It doesn't matter if it's a positive stat or not. I just love the numbers. So, um, All right, nerd. Get <laughs> takes one to know one. Um, <laughs> so um, just get in preparation for ICSE, you know, as, as TK, the CEO of the Miami Realtors loves to say, it's great to be Florida, but it's, I mean, it's great to be Miami and the stat is in general, it's great to be Florida. This is from uh, the Shopping Center Business Magazine, and it said retail rains in Florida. South Florida specifically is underserved per capita on the retail side. So the square footage versus the population is less per person in, in South Florida than it is on a national level. So because of that, according to Collier's, um, the second quarter of 2023, retail vacancies were like at historic lows. In Broward County, 3.5%. Wow. Palm Beach County, 3.7%. And Miami-Dade County, 3.1%. So if you are coming here <laughs> thinking that real estate is on sale because of all of the issues that are going on in the credit market and you're a tenant, Yeah, it is not on sale if you're a tenant in, in South Florida looking for retail yeah. space. And it's because similar to housing, there's just no vacancy. Right. 
and and we're not building huge amounts. You know, World Center is one that's adding a lot of retail locally. There are a couple right. of big projects going on in Broward and Palm Beach, right. but not enough to keep up with the demand. Yeah, that's... So woohoo, it's great to be in Miami. <laughs> Yours? Well, I'll tell you, I because I wanted to, you know, bring out some numbers, but going back to the question about the delinquency rates, and even when you put the delinquency rates of residential and commercial together, but if you look at the delinquency rates of mortgages, and, and I, I read something else that says over 50% of property owners were equity rich, and you know, I forgot what what was the metric to <laughs> to call it equity equity rich, but there's been a consistent you know reduction of delinquency rates. I think right now, at the end of quarter two of 2023, it was at 3.37%. That's down year over year, and it is officially the lowest delinquency rate we've had on record since record keeping began in 1979. And that's for CMBS or for no, that's home for, mortgages? That's just for home mortgages. That's for home mortgages. Yeah, that's for home okay, mortgages. Okay, I wanted to clarify. Yeah. No, no, that was, that was for home mortgages. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and talking about CMBS, I can't even say the word without thinking of Lonnie Hendry, who yeah. you gave the shout out to. So I just will put a link to their podcast in our notes as well, because they, they do a fabulous job on the Trepwire podcast. They release it every Thursday afternoon. I listen to it every thir- every Friday morning, and it's just a ton of information. So, And, and Lonnie is another one of these people that has an incredible way of expressing complex information in a digestible manner. I will say you were asking about what was happening with the um, delinquencies on the CMBS and I do have that data, but I will tell you, the biggest thing is that the delinquency rate there is climbing, but overall, if you put all the asset classes, about 3.06%. So it's still still low. low. And that's interesting that they're they're very similar. So let me tell you where the differences are. Industrial, (laughs) 0.43. Shocking. Right? Shocking. Okay, lodging. All right, the hotel industry, 5.6. So that's higher than, than the rest, not the highest. Multifamily, below 1%, right? 0.94. They're shocker. Office will shock you because year over year, those numbers were, were higher um, over the last 12 months, 1.62. Surprising. However, so right, however, if you look at year over year, May, mm-hmm. June, and July, it goes up from 4.2. 4.5, 4.96. So we're starting to see a, that uptake. 12-month retail, 6.57. Send me those and we'll include those that, that you use. No, seriously, so people yeah. can re- reference, reference them it. and see the information in so case we, you know, they wrote the numbers down. So look, guys, we are exhausted. It's been a long week. <laughs> Our brains are mush. You know, but we I'm so glad that we uh, we were able to put together this information and and uh, and really this was our way of debriefing. That's what I was going to say. It was totally a way to debrief and decompress. And now hopefully I can sleep because whenever I go to these things, my brain just goes a million miles an hour. And even last night, I thought if I got four hours of sleep, it was a lot just because my brain was going. So thank you for letting us do our data dump of the convention, our data download. We appreciate you very much for listening and we'll see you next time. While Jennifer finds a sleeping bag somewhere in the office, (laughs) uh, we will bid you adieu.